Hello and welcome to Memorial Hall Library's Shelf Help Podcast. I'm Stephanie Smith, a reference and cataloging librarian. I'm Justin Tremini, a reference librarian. And this week we're going to talk about a day in the life of a reference librarian, since that's what we both do here. So is there anywhere that you would like to start, Justin? I guess we can kind of think about on like a typical reference desk shift, um, day to day, what we actually do while we're sitting at the desk there, um, just because I guess most people's interactions with the reference desk, you know, it's either from just going up to ask for a book right. uh, that they want or to call mm-hmm. and get information, or maybe they've generally called the library and they had a question and if it wasn't direct to whatever department they were talking to, they were probably transferred to us at the right. reference desk. So I guess I'm going to assume that's the general public's conception of what we do, which is pretty close to what we do. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think if we think about like, yeah, our general kind of the very basics of what we do. Right. Um, so we're the information services department in the library, and we're basically just there to answer people's questions. Yes. Right? Like that's yep. ultimately what it comes down to. Um, In practice, it ends up being a lot of tech help, too. Yeah. But that does tend to fall under questions, because Mm -hmm. the question is, like, how do I print? Right. Like, why doesn't the copier work? Right. So. Yeah, so that ends up being a huge part of what we do. Um, I guess at its very basics, you know, we're sitting there in the chair at the computer, um, and then we're basically doing whatever we're doing, waiting for either a person to come in front of us to ask a question uh, the phone to ring with somebody, you know, wanting to ask a question, uh, a chat box to pop yeah. up through chat reference yeah. or an email to come in um, in, you know, a patron looking to ask a question right. that way. Right. I sense a theme. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so basically we're kind of sitting at a chair yeah. waiting for somebody to ask us a question. Right. And I think there's this idea for for people who don't regularly ask us questions or who maybe only ask us like, very specific library-related questions, like, you know, do you have this book? Or mm. how do I log on to a computer? The questions don't have to be library-related. And we definitely have a subset of people who will regularly call us with questions that are not really at all related to libraries, books. I mean, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. You know, we welcome that. We, we're we here to answer Almost any question. Yeah, almost anything. Uh, I mean, we definitely don't give out advice specific, unless it's about reading or like what, you know, what to watch, what to read. We can do some of that, but we specifically don't give out advice about pretty much anything else. Mm -hmm. The big ones being medical and legal. Yeah. Like we can refer you to, like we can look and find a list of people who practice those things in the area, but we're not going to recommend one over another we're definitely not going to tell you what we think like is like if you're calling us and being like i have these symptoms we're not gonna yeah we're not gonna go there like we you know if you if you call us and you're like i'm looking for an article about you know heart attacks we can provide you with an article about heart attacks right but if you're like hey i'm having chest pain do you think this is a heart attack we're really not like qualified to. And it's very it's very common when we get those questions yeah. that somebody will you know even a general medical question like right. oh you know can you look in a medical reference book and tell me about right. you know some illness or whatever and then often people will be like well is that okay right. like well I can't tell you if that's okay or yeah. not. you need to talk to your doctor right so yeah that's a definitely a very right. common thing that we get yes 
Um, yeah, and it, and it is sort of, it can be kind of a fine line between giving information and giving advice. Mm-hmm. But, um, but I think we're all very careful to err on the side of not giving advice yeah. because, you know, our, our library degree does not qualify us as medical or legal professionals right. in any way. <laughs> I mean, we definitely have situations where it'll be advice where somebody's like, oh, I'm, you know, using my computer and I don't know if I should use Word mm. or like open office. Like, what do you think? Right. And that's pretty low stakes stuff. Yes. So, yeah. and, and even then it's trying to skirt a line of like, you know, I'm not saying one is better than the other. Right. You know, you could maybe say this is what I use or... Right. You know, they both have their advantages, but this this one's this way and this one's this right. way. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It's true. Stuff like that. And I, which is sort of library adjacent. Yeah. Because it touches on technology. But yeah, if it's if it's something really low stakes, we can maybe give you some advice on mm-hmm. it. But yeah, definitely. Yeah, medical legal. Yeah. Maybe no. spiritual. Yeah. Maybe yeah. Not, like, <laughs> yeah. Ethical. Right. Yeah, those are all kind of questionable right. things. Exactly. We can look up and tell you what someone else has to say about yeah. that. But yeah. um but we really can't give you our own opinion or referrals or mm-hmm. I feel like that's sort of another common subset is people who, you know, who are coming to us and they're like, can you recommend a local electrician? Mm-hmm. No, no, <laughs> I, I can't like, I may, I maybe don't even know a local electrician, right. but even if I did, like, I can't give out a personal recommendation like that from my position as a town employee. Yeah. Um, I mean, also for my position as a librarian, right. like it's just not, I mean, we could definitely, like, help somebody find reviews right. of local electricians. Exactly. Or, so it's always, yeah, it's always about sort of taking the question that the person has and then, you know, there's that concept of the reference interview, right. which we learn in library school. And generally speaking, it's based around somebody comes up and they have a very broad question. How can we ask them our own questions to narrow it down right. to what they actually want? So, like, the sort of stereotypical situation would be somebody who's like, oh, like, you know, where are the books on, you know, dogs? And then you keep asking right. and eventually it turns out, I need a book on how to train a corgi. Exactly. You know, so it's generally people tend to ask open, like very open questions right. when they oftentimes want a very narrow thing. Right. And I guess with situations like that too, if somebody's like, can you recommend a good electrician? Then we almost have to sort of broaden it out and be like, right. You know, what resources can we find that can help this person, you know, hopefully get reviews or maybe find an organization that helps to find like ethical electricians or something. Or maybe there's like a, you know, like a organization of electricians that are somehow certified. Right. Exactly. It's sort of, right. Some sort of accreditation board or something. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Um, Or, I mean, we can also suggest like, you know. Have you asked other people you know in town? Like, mm-hmm. that would be... I've definitely told people that also. And like, you know, if possible, you should ask people you know who live here. Because mm-hmm. they're more likely to... Like, that's... And that's another type of resource, too. It's not something that we hold at the library. But I've I've done that on occasion. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But it is... Right. Yeah. It's sort of taking the questions we get and figuring out what people actually want. Which... Right. We're not mind readers, which is good, Hmm. I think. (laughs) I think that hopefully, like, we as professionals are good, though, at getting a sense of when somebody does come to you with a very open question, and you Mm -hmm. really do have a sense that they actually want this one particular thing, like, getting them to that thing. Right. But at the same time, you also don't want to make it uncomfortable for somebody if they do have a very open question. Or it's an open question because they're looking for something specific, but it could somehow be embarrassing or just very um, private information, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. ways that you can sort of 
steer that conversation, right. get them what they need, but also like don't make the person feel uncomfortable. Yeah, definitely. I know you don't want to feel like you're giving someone the third degree. Yeah. Um, yeah. To kind of, that's not what the reference interview should be. <laughs> no, it definitely should not be that. Yeah. yeah. So there's that, there's that aspect of it for sure. Um, and yeah, we get, we get lots of questions that are, you know, pretty straightforward and simple and you know, the phone rings, it's a straightforward question. Like what is the phone number of, you know, fill in the blank. Right. We look it up. We give them the phone number. The end. Mm-hmm. So there's not always a reference interview involved. It can right. be, yeah. You know, we do get a lot of questions. Or what time do you close? Whatever. Kind of the stuff that is pretty typical. Or you know, people looking for an address of a local business or whatever that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder, like, I remember back in the day, you would call the operator and you would ask them either what time it is, which yeah. we get occasionally. Or even, like, how to spell something Mm -hmm. or, like, you know, an actual phone number. Like, is there any kind of service, like a government service that still exists outside of libraries where you can call and get a phone number? Uh, 411, maybe? And is there a person or is that automated? I don't even know. I don't know. know. I've never tried it. I'm going to try that. Yeah. I'm on the reference desk. And I know Andover specifically has, like, a 211 service. Okay. But I I think that's sort of more specifically for, like town information right um and that's another thing that we do we're definitely like a a sort of point of reference for town information definitely so i think you know there's always that kind of confusion when sometimes people will you know every once in a while you get somebody who's like upset about like a parking thing or a tax thing and if they be like well we don't really have anything to do with that the big one is like our parking lot yes which we don't it's not actually the library's parking lot that can be confusing for people, understandably. Right. And sometimes people, if they get a ticket or they're just upset that they have to pay to use the right. parking. Right. Um, or they'll be confused. They're like, well, you know, the parking, it says here that it ends at six, but like, you know, it shows on the kiosk that like I should pay. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I think it's after six. You're probably good. Yeah. But, like, but that's definitely a situation where like if they want the actual answer, right. we have to reference them to the, right. you know, the public safety center because... Right. It's not our parking lot. Right. Um, but so similarly, we'll get questions where people have, you know, a question about something to do with being a town resident or something to do with the town. Yes. And sometimes there's that little bit of a line of like, you know, we have to be like, well, we don't, we're not in charge of, you know, the town survey right. or whatever, but we can definitely help you to get you either to talk to somebody who is in charge of it right. or just to help you do whatever you need to do with that. Right, exactly. If it's if it's an answer that we can find on the town's website, then mm-hmm. you know, we can we should be able to do that. Mm-hmm. But every now and then we get people who think that we can transfer their call to town hall, right. and just to be clear, we we cannot, we do, cannot that. do that. It's a like it's a separate phone system. Right. We can tell you the phone number and you can call them. Right. But yeah, we we don't have a literal direct line to town hall. Yeah, because we rarely directly call town hall, right. so it wouldn't really make much sense to have no. that option available. No, and town hall doesn't need to call us very often either. Yeah. Um, I think when we do get that kind of communication from town hall, it's usually through email. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and vice versa, if we need to get a hold of someone there, it would usually be by email too. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, so I guess a question would be, do, do you have any... Without being too specific mm. about it, but like any, maybe like a reference question where you really spent a lot of time working on it, or what would be? I think anything that involves microfilm yeah. is going to be a time intensive, and usually that sort of thing is 
let's say, vaguely genealogical. Mm -hmm. Like, not who was my whatever, but like, oh, I discovered that, you know, I had a grandfather who lived in town. Like, can you find his obituary? Mm -hmm. Or, you know, um, that kind of thing. Or someone will remember something that happened to their family when they were a kid or, like, something that happened to another member of their family and it would be the kind of event that would be in a newspaper, you know, maybe an accident or a crime or something of that nature. They don't remember when exactly it happened. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, microfilm is not keyword searchable. Right. So I think that's the that's the kind of question that really um, is very time consuming. I got I got a question recently that's going to require some microfilm look. They they were looking for a picture that had been published in the paper. Mm. Um, those can be difficult. That yeah. can, right. And it was associated with a specific event, so that mm -hmm. does help narrow it down. Mm -hmm. Because I've been able... So, for the townsmen, we have a text-only database mm -hmm. online, where you can search the text of the townsmen back through, I think, 07? Mm -hmm. Something like that. And that was good, because I could search through that for this event, find the dates mm -hmm. of the event, and even the dates that the articles were written, but mm -hmm. they don't have the pictures because this database is text-only. Right. So now at least that really narrows down what I'm going to be looking at on the microfilm because I have some specific dates. Yeah. Um, yeah, typically with those situations, like, it, you know, if a patron has something like that where they're like, oh, I have this photo, I know it was sometime in 1962, Yeah. Um, but I want to find it. That's usually where we would teach the patron how to use the microfilm right. if they didn't already know and right. be like, this is just going to be very labor intensive, but you can just kind of scan through. Right break it up into chunks, do it over the course of time. Um, over the past year, when our microfilm machine was like not available to the public right. due to COVID, we did have a few situations where like the entire reference staff mm -hmm. would basically, mm -hmm. when you have a free minute, try to go through, you know, where we've made our way up to like, you know, right. March of 1962. And then you would maybe go through for like an hour mm -hmm. and get through a couple months or a couple yeah. weeks, depending on the paper. Right. Um, and go from there. And I think sometimes we've had those situations and we never end up finding the thing. Definitely. I mean, um, I think I can remember even wondering COVID where, yeah, we, all of us looked for a good deal of time and we never found. We never found. We it. never found yeah. it, which is depressing. But, but that's, it happens. Yeah. yeah. It, I mean, especially if you go back to like the sixties, the Lawrence Eagle Tribune at that point was like a 48 page daily newspaper. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There is a lot. There's a lot to through. look through. Yeah. There, I mean, it wasn't just the major stories that you would think of. It was, you know, like, and almost anything that happened probably ended up in the paper. Mm. Like, you know, lost pets, even. I guess if that was like, that was like people's main, that and radio would be like your main source of entertainment. Right. Or, or just of getting information out to the community. So, right. yeah, like lost yeah. pets. Like, right. Or, you know, like community events. Yeah. You know, fundraisers for whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like I saw a lot of like fundraisers for the Bon Secours Hospital, which mm. I'm not sure if that is still a thing. Yeah, I don't, I've never heard of it. Yeah, apparently mm. it's in Lawrence or maybe Haverhill, so okay. I'm guessing it's not a thing anymore. I'm guessing it's not a thing. Um, yeah. Anyway, but yeah, so I think microfilm questions are the biggest time-consuming mm -hmm. question. And I don't mind doing some of that, but I do always try to tell the patron, like, I cannot devote all of my time to this yeah so like yeah it's best if you can come in and work on it but if for some reason you can't i can chip away at it but it's you know it's gonna take some time. it's gonna take some time like maybe a couple of weeks mm -hmm. you know if you don't have a really specific 
And every now and then we do get people who are like, I need this article. This is the title. You know, it was published on this day. Mm-hmm. And you go and look, and there it is. Mm-hmm. And so that's, you know, it doesn't always have to be a labor-intensive thing. Or sometimes you get lucky and, yeah. you know, the article they wanted was on the first day of the reel of microfilm, so you don't have to fast-forward through the whole reel. Mm-hmm. Great. I did but, have a situation recently that was interesting where, without getting too specific, but mm-hmm. it was a situation where... Um, this person, their parents, like, had a wedding notification yeah. uh, that was in the Boston Globe from the 80s or something, and they needed it for some kind of insurance purposes because huh. I guess they had lost their marriage certificate or something, but they had the exact date, you know, all that. So I right. found it. There was a photo of them that, that they were super happy to get that. Oh, that's nice. But always a situation like that where it's like, well, I know they were married on the 7th, so it's going to be sometime between the 7th and like the 9th. Right. And they knew for a fact that it was in the Boston Globe. Right. So that was an easy one. And exactly. That was a one where it was easy to be helpful. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I don't mind doing the microfilm, but mm-hmm. um, but yeah, it's just very labor intensive. Definitely small chunks. Yeah. yeah. I guess ditto when people want to uh, digitize old photos or negatives mm-hmm. That's or DVD, VHS to DVD. We have all that capability, but that really is something that you have to do yourself. We can show you how that equipment works. Right. Uh, and I feel like that's another thing that will, it doesn't get used a whole lot, but when it does, it will often be someone who's coming back multiple times. Yeah, definitely. Because you can just only do that for so long before you feel like your brain is just going to melt out through your ears. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I'll say, well, it's best to break it up. So right. come, you know, come with a stack of photos, get through what you can, and, like, make a mark in it so you know where to start off mm-hmm. the next time. I think that's really popular, like, right before the holidays in winter. Because mm-hmm. people think it would make a nice gift. Which, yeah. it could. Definitely, but sure. a time-intensive gift. Yeah. Um, so I guess on that topic of like sort of technology stuff, so that's, I would say a huge percentage of our job is doing tech help, whether it's for, you know, the, the computers in the building, which we are in charge of, um, helping people use those and printing and scanning Mm -hmm. and faxing and copying, all of which are really popular, all of which, I mean, I feel like the machines we have are fairly intuitive, but... It depends. The copying can be a little weird. The copying can be a bit weird. Yeah. There are you. There's like a very specific sequence mm-hmm. of buttons, and if it's something you do regularly, mm-hmm. then I think you'll remember it. Right. But if you just need to come in and copy once in a blue moon, I can see that you would not have any reason to remember like the specific. Yeah. There's a couple touch screens, and like you have to get the order right, yeah. or the machine gets unhappy. Definitely. Um. On that note. Public service announcement, copying and printing, not the same thing. Right. <laughs> Which I I never thought this was going to be a cause of confusion mm-hmm. until I started working in libraries. And I get my very first part-time library job and immediately realized that, that many people do not understand the distinction here. Mm-hmm. So in case you're listening and you're curious, you don't already know, copying is when you have a physical thing and you want to make another physical copy of it. Printing is when you have a document in the computer, so a digital copy, and you want to print out a physical copy. Mm. I I don't know that anyone listening wasn't aware of that, but just in case, um, now you know. I wonder if people just kind of, you know, they walk up to the machine and they see that screen and the first thing you have to do is choose print or copy. 
And they do get, and I think sometimes they think if they're making a photocopy, mm-hmm. well, I want it to print this. Right. So that's when they hit print mm-hmm. and then, then everything goes crazy. Right. Or, you know, they have the copy in, in the computer and they're like, well, I want a physical yeah, copy. Yeah, I want a copy. <laughs> that's true. So I, I can sort of see how it comes in, but this was something that I found very surprising at yeah. first. Yeah. Um, when doing a library tech help. Yeah. Because to me, it just seemed very clear cut. Mm. But also now, we have the one machine that does both copying and printing. Right. And it looks, in my mind, it looks like a copy machine. Right. Back in the days when those were very distinct machines. So I can see I can see where the confusion would come in there. Yeah, but, definitely. Um, but so that's probably a good chunk of what we do when we're on the yes. reference desk. If we're not answering questions, we're helping people... To make uh, to print things, right. to make copies, mm-hmm. to scan things, and to fax yep. things, which is functionally similar to scanning. Right. Also, they use the same machines. Right. Same software. Right. And then beyond that, just general tech help, mm-hmm. like you know whether it is on our computers or people really common people come in with a tablet right. because they want to get eBooks on mm-hmm. their tablet, and you know we'll do a walkthrough on that. But other times it's just kind of basic computer stuff. Um, Right. You know, we do one-on-one classes with mm-hmm. people. Sometimes that's like, you know, somebody I've had where people want to set up a Facebook account for their business. Yep. Or I've had where people don't know how to use a mouse and they need help using a mouse. Exactly. Um, almost anything within that spectrum. Right. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think my favorite is getting people set up for ebooks on a phone or a tablet. Mm-hmm. Not so much on the Kindle or the Nook because those have their own sort of very yeah. specific and more involved procedures. I just had last night I had to walk somebody through a Kindle through mm. chat, oh. which was interesting. It's really better to do that in person. It's better to do it in person. Or at least on the phone, at if least possible. On the phone. Yeah, it's kind of like in levels of like where we want that yeah. in person with the with the device right. and the person knows all their passwords and login info that's yes, crucial. gold standard yeah from there like probably phone yeah and then from there chat gets really difficult yeah, yeah. email would be the worst because it's not yeah, live it's not live and so and so the chances are because the reference desk email is shared among mm-hmm. all the reference staff and For that kind of ongoing question over email, of course, we can look back and see the previous emails in the conversation, but it's, you know, you're probably going to get like 10 different people answering. I feel like it would take two weeks to get a book on on a device via email for somebody who doesn't know how to do it. Right. Email is really better either for the very simple question or for like something where you want to tell us about the thing you want us to look up on microfilm. Mm Mm-hmm. Send us in an email. That's great. That way we have everything already written down. We have how, you know, the names are spelled. We have, like, I think that's kind of where I want to see mm-hmm. email questions. What would you say are, like, the majority of chat questions we get? Mm. What do you think, like, mo- I mean, obviously that's, somebody's on the web page and the little pop-up comes right. up. And, and we can see, like, what page they're coming right. from. And that helps. But that does help. So sometimes it'll be like, you can tell it's coming from the catalog. Mm-hmm. The person was looking for a book and then their question will be, you know, can I get this as an ebook or, right. or something like that. And right. Or like, I don't see the book I want. Right. Am I missing it? Or can we get it from somewhere else? Mm-hmm. Um, usually we can. Sometimes right. they're missing it. I think if people are not seeing the book they want, it's most often because it's a children's book and they're searching the catalog that's just for our adult and teen items. I had that happen this morning. And it's sort of confusing to explain that, but once they know, it's an easy enough thing to to know and to, like, going forward that if they want to search just a children's room, 
Right. There's a button for that. Or you can just search the whole network and that will include children's, adult, and everything else in the mm. network, um, which is what I would usually recommend. But, but yeah, I think, I mean, it depends on the time of year. So now that it's summer, I think we're getting more questions about the summer reading program. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, obviously during, you know, the shutdown and the months where things were more restricted, most of our chat questions were like, are you open? What are your hours? Can I sit in the building? You know, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I think. No, I think we get really a variety of questions on chat. Do you think there's a theme that you've noticed? Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think it does tend to be... It's interesting because it's it's somebody who's in the moment, who's looking at the website for something. Mm-hmm. So often it'll be about a program that's coming up. Yeah. They want to register for it or they want more information on it. Or they'll be looking at something specific like a book list on the website. Right. And they want more information on one of the titles or something. But then it is... I mean, I think we do have our regulars who just that's their sort of channel that they can't like communicate yes. with us through. So they just go right to the chat and ask right. us questions. Right. And those can be kind of anywhere, like all over the map. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. I think, I think, yeah, I, they do tend to be somewhat website related, but there's so much on our website that mm-hmm. that can really be almost anything yeah. that we would deal with. Yeah. Um, I like the reference by chat though. I think it's nice to have that option. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that it's useful for people. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think it's really helpful. I think w- you do sometimes feel like for very general chat questions, it tends, I'm guessing it tends to skew older. Like I feel like we get mm-hmm. a lot of like middle school or high school mm-hmm. kids, probably because that's a preferred right. means of communication for them or just right. what they're used to versus like if it, and again, we don't know people's ages unless they very specifically are like, right. I'm a middle schooler and I want to know about volunteering or right. something. Exactly. So we're generally guessing on that. Mm-hmm. And you can maybe sometimes get a sense if they're asking for a certain book and it's like, right. oh, this is a middle school book right. or whatever. Exactly. Um, but it definitely feels like, you know, questions maybe coming from non-middle school, non-high school kids tend to be about whatever the person is looking at right in front of them right. versus that age group, I, I'm guessing, or get the sense that mm-hmm. they'll actually go to chat for, for a way of communicating. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I think that makes a lot of sense mm-hmm. and sort of fits with what I've seen. And I think a lot of our, yeah, our regular chat users feel like they are younger, mm-hmm. like they are younger people. And yeah, we sort yeah. of get that sense because like of the books they're looking for mm-hmm. or yeah, they'll tell us, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so I agree. I think, and it's, it's nice that we can offer that for people who are more comfortable contacting us that way for mm-hmm. whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, same with, you know, email, phone and in person, it's nice to be able to offer all of those things. Right. Um, because some work better for, you know, I can see if you had an unusual work schedule, it might make more sense for you to email us because mm-hmm. that isn't, you know, it can be any time. Right. Um, I mean, you can leave a message at any time too, but I don't know. Somehow I think phone tag is more annoying than an email yeah, conversation. Um, I guess if it's somebody like email can really help if it is an involved question and the person's like, I know you're not going to answer this right away. Right. Take your time. This is, you know, I'm looking for this, like a, like a microfilm type thing. Yes. That's really good for that. Cause then we do have this sort of paper trail and we can go back and reference, especially if the person mm-hmm. has a lot of information for you. Right. That's probably the preferred right. one for email. Mm hmm. Um, but yeah, just general questions like, yeah, it's maybe not the, the yeah. most, the best one. Right. Unless they're general questions that are like very, well, I guess then it would be a specific question. But I was thinking, what I think of is like 
fast questions like what are your hours mm-hmm. what's your location like is there parking right. sign on email like right. that's easy enough it's not going to really be a back and forth yeah um or you know can you can you set up a grab and go appointment for me mm-hmm. yes we yeah, can do that definitely like done so you know can you cancel my hold whatever the fast mm-hmm. the fast kind of things but well i think we still haven't talked about what we do when we're not actively helping people right I think I think we've covered pretty much the gamut of what we tend to do mm-hmm. uh, when we're sort of directly interacting with people, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I guess like there's beyond that, there's just the the kind of you know non normal things that we do. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's some interesting ones. Like, I've occasionally like you know you'll especially around tax season, right? That's always skirting the line too. Like, we we don't want to give tax advice, no, definitely not. But if somebody's <laughs> like, I I'm not good with computers and I need to fill out this form, right? But we often like if somebody's applying for a job and they need to do right. it online and they're not super computer savvy, yes, we can kind of sit there and help them fill out the form. Right. I've helped people kind of go through like doing forms for immigration if they yeah. if they're doing them online or if they just need to get access to those forms right you know we do that stuff definitely, definitely. yep um that's the sort of above and beyond stuff that we do right um but yeah i guess so for stuff that we're doing when we're not actively sort of helping a person in front of us or a person right. you know communicating with us um you know one of the base level things that we all do at the reference desk is we go through journals that feature reviews of right. new and upcoming books and we go through and we basically mark them for ones that, you know, we don't already have in the collection, we feel would be good for the collection. Um, and those then sort of get sent further along in the process um, where decisions are made on whether or not to purchase those. Right. Right. We don't make the final decisions, but we do make suggestions. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things I really enjoy. It's a good way to pass the time. I like seeing what books are forthcoming. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's also useful because I guess another thing that we'll do that maybe people don't realize is we, like we said earlier, we will give you advice on what you might like to read, right. what you might like to watch, you know, whatever. And so I find reading the book reviews to be helpful because it gives me an idea of a, of a wide variety of books, many of which I don't particularly personally want to read. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but then if so, you know, I don't read a lot of mysteries, mm-hmm. I'll do one on occasion, but generally not my thing but because i've read so many mystery book reviews i at least have an idea of like some of the big names in mystery Mm -hmm. you know and maybe even like if you wanted something british versus if you wanted something cozy or you know Mm -hmm. something that was translated into english you know i it gives me at least a little bit of an idea so that when i get that kind of question for something that i don't read much of i at least have some sort of starting point. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think like for me, like starting in the circulation department and then making the move to reference, I know when I was working in circulation, there you very much have a sense of like what people are reading, yes. exactly what's popular, exactly what movies people are checking out. And a reference, it's a little, we're a little more removed from that because Agreed. we're just basing it off of what people are asking us for. Right. And I feel like for in-person, that tends to skew, or over the phone, mm-hmm. tends to skew with like a little bit older yeah. folks. Um, so I don't feel like we really have a good sense of, of exactly what the public's looking for. Right. So those reviews can really help because yes. it does give you a sense, especially if it says, you know, this is a massively popular author and this is their new title that's coming right. out. Like, you know, we're probably going to end up buying multiple copies of that, but at least we have an awareness of like, oh, so-and-so has a new book. Out. Right. Yeah. Right, exactly. 
Um, and then I think it also kind of gives me a sense of what I sort of think of as like the tier B authors. So, you know, not your James Patterson or your Danielle Steele, mm-hmm. you know, who are like sort of like we will buy all of their books, right. whether they get good reviews or honestly any reviews. The other day I was reading a book journal and they had two reviews of two upcoming James Patterson books. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, that's weird. I don't think I've ever seen a Patterson right, book review. Yeah. There's not really a point because good, bad, or indifferent, everyone's going to buy it because people will people read it if it, it has yeah. his name on yeah, it. Yeah, no matter what. Right. Really right. no matter what. So like, right. why did they bother with a review? And there was a little note at the end being like, Patterson is a best-selling author. And I was like... <laughs> you don't say. Who is this aimed at? <laughs> I thought this journal was aimed at librarians, and I'm pretty sure everyone who works in a library can tell you that James Patterson is a popular author. <laughs> like, Do you have a sense, like, kind of off-topic, but, like, is, is James Patterson still, like, the most popular author in America? Like, oh, of gosh. fiction? I mean, it's somewhere Poss- between... I would say probably, but purely because of the... the of volume. the quantity. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... The man publishes, I'm not kidding, because I, I also catalog, so I see all of his books come through. Like, a book a week. Mm-hmm. Now, naturally, he does not do most of the writing himself on right. that. There is not enough time, even if he never slept. Right. Um. But, yeah, I mean, just sheer quantity. He's mm-hmm. going to be at least the best, the actual best selling, in the yeah. sense of, like, more of his books get sold because there just are more of his books. <laughs> more than anybody else. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, he writes for teens now and he writes for middle schoolers now and he even has some, like, elementary school level books. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he's really just He's spread himself everywhere. across the whole, yeah, yeah. Whole thing. Um, but, yeah, I, so I think the reviews are also helpful for, yeah, sort of the tier B authors who are pretty popular, pretty widely read, but, like, not quite as known a quantity as James mm. Patterson or Danielle Steele or Nora Roberts, you know, sort of the people who it's like, oh, but, you know, I've seen this name a bunch and I get the feeling that, you know, someone who likes Danielle Steele would probably also enjoy, you know, Kristen Harmel. Mm-hmm. Have most people heard of Kristen Harmel? I don't know. Not as many as have heard of Danielle Steele, mm-hmm. but... You know, and again, I've never read any of these authors, but just from seeing enough of the stuff, it's helpful in having a sense of what is similar. Right. Um, Which is good because contrary to what people think, we do not get paid to read books at work. Nor do we read every book. Nor do we read every book. Unfortunately not. (laughs) No. There's, although actually, based on some of the reviews I read, I'm going to say fortunately we don't have to read every (laughs) book because there are some that... I read and I'm like, how did this get published? Like, this seems... I mean, and I like a strange book. Like, Mm. this seems really, really quite beyond what I ever would have imagined someone would write about. Mm -hmm. So, um... Yeah, that's a good... That brings up a good point of, like, when people do come up to us and, you know... This is, again, that reference interview thing, but people be like, what's a good book? And then yeah. you generally want to be like, well, what what was the last book that you really enjoyed? Or like, right. who, whose books do you really enjoy? Right. Or like, what genre do yeah. you, are you looking for? And there's the kind of classic case where somebody will like, I read everything. And then you'd be like, do you read science fiction? No. Yeah. Okay. So like, maybe don't read everything. Yeah. <laughs> but like, I think everybody on the reference staff, you know, most of us are, are readers. Most right. of us like to do a lot of reading in our free time. But I think we all have fairly varied kind of, you know, yeah. 
reading that we do. So it can be kind of difficult at times. Like if somebody is like, like again, like with mysteries, I don't read mysteries. I rarely read fiction. I mostly right. read nonfiction. So somebody's like, what's a new, you know, mystery that I'd like? Like we have a couple different things we can do. You know, we could find if we know for a fact that there's somebody on the staff who's there that day who right. loves that genre, we could, you know, get them. Right. Um, that's like a common situation when somebody's looking for a teen book mm. and we know that our teen librarians yes. read a ton of teen books and they pretty much know all of them. Right. I mean, I could try to flounder my way through that, but like it would be better just right. if one of them's available, like talk to one of them. Exactly. Beyond, really yeah. And also just as another little side note, our teen librarians are adults. Yes, they are adults. Yeah. <laughs> we do. I think there is sometimes confusion on that. They are adults with, master's degree in library science mm. they also do reference services but but i think they both but they do read teen books they read teen books for, sure. for their jobs right exactly um, i think also also for fun to, to enjoy them yeah. yeah yeah but i agree if they're there they're the best people to ask about that otherwise yeah, yeah we can do our best we can look online we can look at awards lists we have different databases that yeah. we can use that sort of will give us right. read-alikes which that's helpful, but it does, like you were saying before, like it helps to have some sense of who these names are. Because if you're looking at a list right. of read-alike authors and you don't recognize any of them, but if maybe there's two or three that you do recognize, you might be able to kind of steer people right. towards those ones. Right, exactly. Yeah, but uh, it's a lot of trial and error. And I guess it ultimately mm-hmm. comes down to people aren't paying money for these books. So at worst, they're going to bring it back and be like, you were wrong, I didn't like this. Exactly. And that's fine. Then they can right. try something different. Right. The stakes are low. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's not. It's not a life or death situation right which is good yeah i don't want that stressful job so that's why you know that's why we're willing to give advice on on, on those right kind of situations versus medical or legal or, right. or whatever right exactly um i mean we are here fundamentally because we want to help people but i think a big part of that is knowing what we're able to help with mm-hmm. and what is best left to a licensed credentialed professional. Yeah, level. like what the limits are. Right. And we actually see that a lot too with like tech help where somebody will be like, yeah. I have a virus on my computer. Can you help? And like, not, probably not a good idea. Yeah. Like within reason, if they if they clearly, like I had somebody recently who was like, I just bought a Chromebook. I've never used the Chromebook. Mm-hmm. Can I bring it in? And you can just kind of be there while mm-hmm. I go through the setup process because there's no manual. Like, yeah, we could do that. Right. Definitely. That's, that's right. pretty low stakes. But if it is something where, you know, they, you know, it's a tech thing that, that could have repercussions for their technology, for their computer or whatever, right. we probably don't want to delve too deep into yeah. that. I mean, it's always kind of, if somebody wants to learn how to do something and we can have them do it on our computers, that's better. Because yes. if anything goes wrong, those computers just wipe themselves out right. after every use. Although on the other side, if somebody wants to learn how to use a Chromebook, you know, and that's because that's what they have. then. Right. Yeah, we probably want them to learn it on their own piece of technology that exactly. they're going to be using. Yeah. Um, so again, that's those that's knowing our limits and right. knowing where we should kind of push those limits and where we shouldn't push right. those limits. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess we got into this somehow from reviews. Everything comes back to to questions, basically. Mm. But I guess what else do we do when we're waiting for people to ask us questions mm. other than reviews? Because sometimes we've gotten through the current batch of review journals and... There right. aren't any to read. Um, um, there's also like professional reading, so yeah. different library journals that are right. more based off of articles of what's going on mm-hmm. in the field. Yeah. Um, I tend to read like the technology ones, like yeah, computers definitely. and libraries. Mm-hmm. 
things like that. So just to get a good sense of what's new, yeah. what's happening, what we should be on the lookout for yeah. in terms of trends within the field. Right. Um, that's really good to know. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, sometimes if I'm, if I'm sitting at the desk and I don't have, um, you know, a person asking me a question or I don't have a review to read or I'm just not in the mood for reading a review, I'll work on making content for our website. Mm-hmm. So, um, either something like planning this podcast, which is going to end up as content on our website mm-hmm. or, um, you know, making a book list that's going to be published to the website that kind of thing. That's something that's good to work on from the desk Mm -hmm. um, because it's not, you know, it takes time and and concentration, but it's not something that really is going to be catastrophic if someone then comes and talks to me. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I guess things that are, you know, in our our sort of off-desk duties, things that are, they're not deep-focused work or work that doesn't require deep focus where you can kind of look at it, but then instantly drop whatever you're right. doing to help the person standing in front of you because exactly. that's ultimately what we're there for. Right. Um, yeah, I think a lot of planning stuff. So right. in normal times when I'm doing more makerspace stuff, mm-hmm. a lot of sort of planning for whatever's going on in there. Right. Um, looking at how to fix the technology that ultimately breaks down there. Yeah. That's a big part of it. Yeah. Um, yeah, just like I guess ways for all of us because we all have different off-desk duties. Right. Ways we can take pieces of that up to the desk and, mm-hmm. and work on them there. That's right. a big part of what we're doing when we're not yeah. answering questions. Yeah, definitely. I mean, for me with cataloging, I really prefer not to catalog at a public service desk because it does take more concentration and more focus. Mm-hmm. And um, and I really don't want to make a mistake with that because that might result in an item literally not being findable. Yeah. And that defeats the whole purpose of cataloging. Yeah, that's not good. Yeah. Um, but... But that being said, there are some aspects um, of cataloging that can be worked on from the desk. Uh, We recently updated all of our DVD call numbers to include the whole first word of the DVD rather than the first three letters. That really doesn't take a lot of concentration. Mm -hmm. That was something that I could work on at the reference desk when it was quiet. And that's a thing where if you made a mistake, it'd be pretty easy to to see it, right? Right, exactly. It wouldn't be the end of the world because... We still know, you know, if, you, if you're looking at a DVD and the title is, you know, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, and you see that the call number is like DVD Happy Feet or mm-hmm. something, obvi- like, you know, okay, this gives you a question. It gives you some questions, but you still basically have two places to look. You mm-hmm. can look under Harry Potter, you can look under Happy Feet. You're probably going to find it in one of those places. Right. Um, but also, yeah, it's just, it doesn't take a lot of concentration to determine what is the title of this? Mm-hmm. Let me type that into the box and hit save. This is not, yeah, this is not as detailed as, as cataloging can be. And there's just that one field to edit versus, you know, even cataloging a fiction book, there are several fields that we want to be correct, location, audience, and none of them require that much concentration, but it's really better to just be in front of it and be focused mm-hmm. on that where there's so many things that could go awry. Mm-hmm. Um, so here's a question. Like, yeah. what do you like most about working on the reference desk? Mm. I think I like the variety of it the most. Mm. Um, before COVID, I would have said interacting with people. <laughs> After COVID, I'm going to say that I like the variety the most. Uh. There's always, you know, there's no two shifts alike mm-hmm. on the reference desk. Um, because even though a lot of questions are repeats, i.e. how do I make a copy? How do I send a fax? A good deal of the questions are things that I'd never thought about before. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And yeah, you just you just never know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Fundamentally, you could get any question at any time, and I like that. That yeah. keeps it interesting for me. How about you? I mean, I definitely uh, I think those really kind of like juicy reference questions where you really have to mm-hmm. dig in and do some research yeah. with the caveat that I find the answer because it's very <laughs> frustrating. It's not, I guess what's really frustrating too is not only do you not find the answer, but like you, you, there's no indication, like there's no flag that says there is no answer. Right. It's like with the microphone thing, you just keep looking and then it never turns up and then you decide to give up at a point. Yeah. That I think for all of us, that's probably frustrating. Definitely. But that, that those moments when you spend a lot of time really diving down deep into this and then you find right. what that person was looking for, like that's a really satisfying feeling. It is very satisfying. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess the other satisfying piece is like to really, you know, just help somebody with something they really needed help with. Definitely. Um, you know, that person who's never used a computer before and now they have to for whatever reason and you're able to get them to feel comfortable and confident on one. Right. That's really rewarding. That feels really good. Yeah, that is rewarding. I do also enjoy, and it doesn't happen much, but every now and then we get a question that requires the use of a print reference resource. Mm. And that's its own sort of special satisfaction. Mm. Um, Possibly a a whiff of nostalgia there. Right, right. (laughs) And I really don't... I love the internet. I'm very glad we can get most answers from there. But every now and then, it's sort of a novelty to Mm. be like, oh... I'm going to look in this reference book and find the thing that you needed to know. I feel like I need to be better about thinking like, oh, I can do... So do you feel like you look in the internet first and then if you don't find it, then you go? Yeah. Absolutely. Unless... Unless it's someone who specifically is asking, like, you know, they'll call and they'll say, I want to know what this book has to say about this thing. Or, like, I had someone call a while ago. They had a question about the electric code. Mm -hmm. That's not freely available online, but we do have a print copy Mm -hmm. of the 2020 electric code. So, like, yeah, I could just go and, like, and luckily they, they knew specifically what they wanted because... I don't know a lot about electrical right. work. <laughs> this is not my field, but um, but yeah, usually I I don't think of that first unless they you know the person asking the question specifically references mm-hmm. um a print resource mm-hmm. or like you know do you have literary marketplace is one of the more popular right um, one of the more popular reference type resources that someone might ask about mm-hmm. so. You definitely get, like, students looking for, like, the DSM or something like that, and they'll be like, oh, I need, you know, this definition from this book. Exactly. So that's that's more where I would use the print resources. But, yeah, it's always just sort of a novelty, so that's fun. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Um, I enjoy that. Yeah. But, but yeah, I, I guess that pretty much sums up what we do. Yeah, I think so. For the most part. Yeah. Um... It really is. It really is a varied job. Yeah. Um, I think. It, yeah. And it's definitely something where I guess a, a message to put out to the public, like the, what we sort of started with, that idea that it doesn't have to be library-based questions. Right. Like if you want an answer to something, we'll, we'll do our best to try to find it for you. Yes, we will. Yeah. Um. You know. Yeah. We right. You don't just have to call us with your library questions. We're mm-hmm. here. We can answer many other questions, just or we can opinions. try to. Yeah, not opinionless, and uh, nothing X-rated. We don't. Yeah, we don't get into that. Yeah, no. you know, yeah. like, hey, you want us to look up an answer to your crossword puzzle? We can do that. We can do that. <laughs> not too many of those. Right. <laughs> it can be a problem, but yeah, you know, we can we can do that. We can even probably figure out who that person was that you heard on the radio talking about their new book, mm-hmm. but you don't remember their name or the name of their book. 
Yeah, we can find that. We can find that. We can find that for you. So, you know. And I think the other thing that I would note before we wrap up is that I think both of us have been very carefully avoiding saying that people interrupt us with questions. Mm. Because people do not interrupt us with questions. That's what we're here for. That's the reason that we're here. Right. The other things we do are important and they need to be done, but... That's not our primary reason mm-hmm. for being at the reference desk. Right. Like, that's just something for us to do while we're waiting for you to ask us a question. So, really, you're not interrupting us. You're not bothering us. Mm-hmm. We are paid to answer your question. And I think generally, like, reference our librarians are curious people. Yes. So, I think we all get excited when we get questions. Especially Definitely. really interesting ones. Yeah. So, it's never. Yeah, it's never. Right. It's not an imposition. It's never an imposition. It's, yeah. Like, please ask us your questions. Uh, we are more than happy to put down the review journal or whatever else it is we're doing mm-hmm. and help you find the information that you need. Yeah. So, well, I think that wraps it up. Um, so you've obviously found us somehow since you're listening, but if you're wondering where else you can find this podcast, it is on our website, mhl.org slash podcast. You can find us in Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. If you feel like rating, reviewing, or subscribing, that's always great. You can email us directly at rdesk at mhl.org. That's R as in reference, desk uh, at mhl.org. And we hope to have you listen to us next time. Bye. Bye.